about unstoppable people or stop resistant people, as I coined, because everyone stops eventually. <laughs> um, so I just want to add my welcome to everyone here, and especially if you're here um, for the first time today. Uh, my name's Abigail, and during the week I'm a uni student, and it's my pleasure to bring you the Bible reading. Uh, today's Bible reading is from Acts chapter 5, verses 12 to 42. Before we begin, let me pray. Dear gracious Lord, thank you so much for the privilege we have to read your word. Um, I just pray that you would, um, yeah, that you would reveal who you are and what your gospel is um, today as we read, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 5, verse 12. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared to join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits, and all of them were healed. Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people the full message of this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts as they had been told and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail the apostles for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the apostles did not find the officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported, "We found the jail securely locked, with the guards standing at the doors." But when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were puzzled, wondering what would come of this. Verse 25. Then someone came and said, Look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. Having brought the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom we killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and saviour that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. We are witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who was honoured by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed them, Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Thutis appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, 
All his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourself fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin, rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day, in the temple courts and from the house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. Thanks, Abby. Good morning, everyone. Let me switch on this before I complain. Perfect. Hello, everyone. Good morning. Uh, If you do not know me, I am Srinath CP. I'm a member of this church, CP Church, and also your local mission partner. (laughs) Yeah, I've just come from India, so bear with me. I work with AFES, Australian Fellowship of Evangelical Students, uh, at Griffith University, just down the road, uh, spreading the gospel, proclaiming Jesus at Griffith University. If you're here for the first time, a very warm welcome to you. Um, Are you just visiting us or here to support uh, and share the joy of of your friend or family as you witness them publicly proclaim their faith in Jesus? A warm welcome to you. Uh, We are very, very glad to have you here. Uh, if you have asked me four years ago, uh, when I landed in Australia, what is unstoppable to me? Well, I was 23 years old, and I have no shame in admitting that. I would have said, it's me. And uh, I wanted to be the first president of the world, and I don't know, 23-year-olds can be quite ignorant, I guess. Uh, but yeah, Anton still reminds me of that uh, as I preach the gospel now. Well, today... We are in the sermon series of Unstoppable from the book of Acts, the second volume of the letter written by the physician or Dr. Luke. It covers the happenings of the life of Jesus' apostles and early Christians and how their lives were deployed for the spreading of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, which is still going on as we still sit here in fellowship of God's word. Believers are still persecuted and the church faced tremendous opposition. Yet through all this, God's sovereign will of saving his people still prevails and is unstoppable. And we'll hear that soon from Greg and Rachel. And today we'll see God's will overcoming human hesitation, human authority, and even human judgment to continue to grow the church by spreading of the gospel. Today's passage starts with only believers... Only believers having fellowship at Solomon's colonnade. The believers being publicly Christians. We read in verse 12. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers, just the believers, used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. Let's have a look how this place looks like. Solomon's colonnade. Uh, At your right top, the 
the outskirts of the temple, the Solomon's porch, that's also called that Solomon's colonnade, Solomon's portico. It's even outside the court of Gentiles, so it's quite a strategic place for everyone, even the commoners, to come in here and witness the fellowship. This is something how it would look from the inside. Well, so the apostles are performing signs and wonders for broader public, yet the fellowship is done only by believers. Interestingly, the broader public are having high regards towards this fellowship of believers, yet didn't dare to join them. Verse 13. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Well, a few reasons of high regard could be the signs and wonders, the ability to do things that are humanly impossible. Only God can. Or the loving and serving culture of this new group might have heard the gospel preach. Well, they might be going, uh, shouldn't they be fighting and rallying like the other minority groups? But rather they just want to share and serve. Does this sound like someone that you might know from your workplace, from your uni, neighborhood, or in school? Or could be the one who brought you today to church? Or to see them getting baptized today? Because you might feel them, they're all right. I regard them as well. That's Australian equivalent of regarding them well. Well, why did no one dare to join them? Well, probably because of two reasons as well. Last week we saw that how spiritual hypocrisy was dealt with death. So this new group seems quite extreme. Yeah? Or it could be, I don't want to go against the majority. This sounds good but I don't know what my Pharisee uncle will think of me if I join them. Or it's safe to be with the majority, isn't it? Well, this reminds me of the university ministry at Griffith. We have this uh, Bible study groups called uh, uh, Connect Groups, and we sit in a public spot in a restaurant area, and there are a few types of students during that hour. The first ones are, they would just walk past, and uh, they don't care. You do you. Who studies here? show off, you know, or there will be the other kind of students who would be just picking from, like, hmm, what's going on? Hmm, sounds good. I want to approach, but I don't want to be seen by my mates being interested in religious stuff, the uncool, old-school stuff. And there are these students who come and actually say hi and ask, what's happening? Can I know? And show interest. And they eventually get invited. And finally, there are these students who are just sitting around the word and having fellowship. So that's our own Solomon's colonnade at Griffith. Well, does internal hesitation stop the gospel from spreading and saving people? Well, no. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Well, it says, believed in the Lord. That's the reason they were added in the number. That's the reason they were in the fellowship. Therefore, it's not about Peter or the signs and the wonders that he's able to do. It's about who he's preaching about and through which people are coming to believe. Jesus. Signs and wonders, yes, they get our attention. And God being with someone cannot go unnoticed. These are amazing scenes happening there. Yet the gospel of Christ does the saving. 
the gospel, the good news, which is Jesus' death and resurrection that brings forgiveness of sins. And if you want to know more about this saving through the gospel, keep coming along and maybe join one of our Life Explore courses. So, what do you do when, if you're one of those men and women who have just come to believe the Lord, when you have just heard the biggest truth there ever is? You go out and tell everyone, isn't it? See, whenever I find a good restaurant out there, I talk about it all week. And here, these people, the new believers, have just heard and experienced the life-saving truth about Jesus. Therefore, what happens because of that, as a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats, so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. So as a result of all these men and women being added, the new believers evangelizing and sharing the joy of knowing God by spreading his word. Now, for a second, visualize the streets of Jerusalem. Crowds and crowds of people are lying down the sick wherever the apostles are walking. Now, the Bible does not tell us that Peter's shadow actually healed people. Well, I'm actually glad this is the case. Otherwise, Iggy and Matt might have a hard time after the service. Well, rather, Luke is telling us how impactful was the spreading of the gospel, the fellowship of the believers, the growth of the fellowship that induced such a reaction among the people. Well, what does this reaction have to do with God's will for his people? Let's find out. Verse 16. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. Hmm. We see that through the life and the abilities given or entrusted to these apostles, God has already started to fulfill the promise that he gave us in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be witness in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So the witness have already started to spread to the towns of Jerusalem. And people from the towns of Jerusalem have started to gather around the apostles so that gospel could be preached. So even while there was all this hesitation and doubt in the broader public, God has started to fulfill the promise given to us by Jesus. Therefore, there is no human opposition that can withstand God's sovereign will to save. Even if it's your own heart and its rebellious nature. Like my proud heart in my case. We don't look for signs and wonders anymore because the greatest of them is for the Holy Spirit being poured out into someone and their heart to come to know its Lord and Savior. Today we'll witness it as we hear the testimonies. Hence, this is actually my personal favorite day of the year because I get to hear, witness, and participate in the joy of the greatest miracle of all time, God saving his people from sinfulness. So we saw that God overcomes barriers to save us that are internal. Let's look into God's sovereign will over opposition from human authorities. Stay with me. It's a long read. Then the high priest and his associates were, who were members of the party of Sadducees were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. 
But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts as they had been told and began to teach the people. When the high priests and the associates arrived, they called together Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported. We found the jail securely locked, with the guards standing out at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. Then someone came and said, Look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts, teaching the people. God has some good sense of humor, I guess. Again, God did not release them so that these apostles can go out and boast about how close they are to God or how special they are to God. Rather, this might have been a moment of reassurance in their lives, since this was the second time the apostles were put into jail. This might have creeped doubts in them about God's control over their lives, because the authorities seem to have more control of it, isn't it? And even this escape from the prison wasn't a grand spectacle to bring glory to the, to the apostles. The guards were at the door all the time, and they didn't even know when they got out. Well, there are places in the Bible where God did bring out his disciples, his people, out of prison with earthquakes and grand spectacles. And also there were times where God did not bring them out at all, and they were killed. But what's common in all of it is that all these events, good or bad, led to the spread of the gospel, led to the fulfillment of God's will to save. That's why they were told to tell the people about all this new life. No, no human prison is strong enough to hold God's will of saving his people through the spreading of the gospel. Well, how does opposition, if you're opposition, respond to this? Let's go through the feelings and emotions they are going through. Verse 17. Then the high priest and all his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. Well, is it just because they are able to heal people? Well, even doctors do that. Then why jealousy? It's because of the increase of the number of believers. And these Jesus people aren't listening to their orders not to preach in this name. So quite a power struggle, isn't it? And also the content of their preaching, we'll get there in a moment. Then someone came and said, look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the, cam- the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. The apostles were brought in and made up here before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Feared and guilty. This is what they're feeling. They feared that people would stone them. Isn't this their own assumption? But why did they assume it? If they are correct and the apostles are wrong, 
Why did they assume such a fear? Well, let me tell you, it is the escape from the jail that made them wondering what this might lead to. Clearly, God seems to be at their side. All attempts to stop the apostles are failing. Therefore, the possibility of them being against God slowly creeps in. And finally, they're considering the possibility of being guilty even of Jesus' death. Now, Peter and the other apostles make it even worse for them by giving them an executive summary of what they should be fearful and guilty of. Verse 29. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things. So is the Holy Spirit, which is in us, whom God has given to those who obey him. This means a few things. You are against God and his will. You are not responsible for the forgiveness of sins anymore. Jesus is. You are not closest to God. Jesus is at the right hand, whom you killed. We are witnesses. We have God in us, Holy Spirit. And we are the ones obeying God, not you. What would you do if you were the high priest? You don't want to hear this anymore. You just want to get rid of this accusation, even get rid of the accusers the way they did to Jesus. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. Furious, this is what they're feeling now. When you are in authority and are proven wrong, having power struggle, this is how we humans usually react. Furious. So they were jealous, they were feared, they felt guilty, now furious because of feeling powerless. That's the story of the people who stood against the will of God. Well, let's get into the last section. Let's meet Gamaliel, an interesting character in, amidst all these high priests. He's a Pharisee. I call him, but what if guy. You know, always says, oh, but what if? I like it when people are open to listen and are able to look beyond their feelings and emotions, especially when they are threatened to lose the thing that are holding on to very dearly. In this case, their position and authority. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin. Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do this to these men. Some time ago, Tertus appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed. All of his followers were dispersed. It came to nothing. After him, Judas, remember Judas? The Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone, let them go. For if their purpose or activities of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourself fighting against God. <laughs> 
What's fascinating about Gamaliel's argument is that God using the member of opposition to persuade the opposition. A non-believer to persuade the opposition. Because there was no believer in the room at that time. So this is what his persuasion says. God's will be done no matter what. The harder the persecution, the harder God's power will be in display. The more the word gets out, the more people turn to Christ. God's sovereign will to save you will overcome any barrier you throw at it. If it's from God and the gospel is true, then it will indeed be unstoppable. Let me remind you, even during our current times now, when there is so much opposition to the church, know that God is behind our gospel ministry. We can be confident that the gospel will be victorious. God's will shall be sovereign over everything else. His will to save you and be in a relationship with you. That's his will through the gospel of Christ. Let me finish by a few applications. If you're here, someone who is still investigating or trying to know about Jesus, if the gospel threatens you, or the gospel threatens the things that you're holding on to, let me encourage you not to protect it. Rather, put it on the line. If it is worthy to save you, it will come out victoriously and you can keep holding on to it. But we believe that, that there is nothing on earth that can save you from sinfulness other than the love of God that is shown to us through the death and resurrection of Jesus, his son. This is the true protection we need. There is indeed something better for you to hold on to. The good news of Jesus. A gift that we don't deserve yet freely given because of his voluntary love for us. Not because who we are or what we have done. But it is his love which is voluntary. And if you aren't sure if you have heard the gospel yet or what to do next if you heard it, talk to your friend. Ask them why do they follow Christ. Or ask them if they can read a gospel with you. And ask them questions, importantly, while you read it. Or come along to our Life Explore courses, a very safe environment to make friends and investigate about Jesus. Well, if you're someone who has already put your trust in Jesus, the suffering, the persecution, will keep testing our faith. It could be hard to believe that God is still in control. Will the church keep growing? How will it come to end? And because of this, a suffering Christian life might even feel unworthy. Like, what am I doing this for? Well, let me finish by the last verses of today's passage to encourage you. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin, rejoicing because they have been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day, in the temple courts, from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. 
God's will is still sovereign and will always remain. The gospel still saves people. And the church will always be growing. Let me remind you, you mean the world to him. Or maybe even more. Otherwise, he wouldn't have sent his only son to suffer and die for you. In his sovereign will to save, he might also have allowed few Christians along the way to face persecution and suffering. Similarly, when we suffer as Christians and face persecutions to spread the gospel, to live a gospel life, or even to be as Christians, let me tell you, you are part of his sovereign will to save someone. A part of a will that is uncontested and overcomes every opposition and has been overcoming since 2,000 years. You are counted worthy to suffer for his name. What a joy. Let us join in the joy of welcoming people into the family of believers, his body, his church. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. That your will is sovereign over every other. And that we can find our rest and hope in it. As things get tougher, we can look up to your sovereign will to save us. We thank you for Rachel and Greg and the privilege to witness the, and participate in the joy of them being saved and to welcome them into the church and the family of believers. In Jesus' name. Um, thank you, CP, for bringing the message today. Um, as we come to the time to sing our response, um, <clears throat> the unstoppable gospel. Know that God is with us and